Hey guys, welcome to The Transfer Episode 3. We are so glad that you are listening today. If this is the first episode that you are listening to, please, please go back and listen to Episodes 1 and 2 because they are vital for what we're going to talk about this week. And again, I'm with Pastor Beck. Hey everyone, how are you doing? My name's Jared, uh, and we are going to talk about Mark 1. Yeah, we are. Hey, before we dive in and talk about Chapter 1... Do you remember the three most important things as we go and look at this book? Uh, yeah. So I spent enough time editing it, the podcast, so it should be stuck <laughs> in my brain. Um, the first thing was it was written to the Romans. Uh, so it was written to a Roman people, not a Jewish people, not a Greek audience, but a Roman audience. It was written, it was Peter's story, but told through uh, John Mark, Mark's eyes, and it was written to a community of people who were in persecution, who were in upheaval. So that was the uh, three important things that I remember. Yeah, absolutely. So Peter uh, most likely preached or he told his story to Mark and Mark wrote it with his hand. Hence the name, the gospel according to Mark. The good news uh, you have a look at verse 1. It says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so all through Mark, we're going to see these declarations that Jesus is actually the Son of God. Uh, each podcast, we're going to focus on one part of the chapter because as you get together in your discipleship groups, you're going through pretty much verse by verse and the significance of that to the context. So Mark begins with... Uh, the John the Baptist and preparing a way for Jesus. Jesus is then baptized. In verse 12, Jesus goes into the wilderness. And then in verse 14, um, after John was arrested, Jesus comes into Galilee and proclaims uh, the gospel of God, saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And then in verse 16, Jesus will call his first disciples. I thought before we go and focus on our main part of the text we're going to look at in chapter 1, I want to stop here because in verse 16 is where we see uh, Jesus calling out his very first followers. If you read along, we're reading in the ESV and it says, Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he, as in Jesus, saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me. And I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately, in fact, have a look. I reckon every time you get to the word immediately, you mm. should underline it. We've already seen it three, two or three times already. And we're only down to verse uh, 18. I think it will appear maybe 40 times in this text, the word immediately. I think that's what I read too. It must have yeah. been one of Mark's favorite words. Yeah. This is, and immediately they left their nets and followed him. The idea was that, uh, in those days, obviously, they would pass on the family trade. These guys, their father was a fisherman. We're going to see in a second. It says, um, and immediately they left their nets and followed him. Verse 19, and going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat mending nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Now, what's the first question you think about? Well, <laughs> Reading this story growing up, it was always strange because it was like, okay, because okay, it's just thinking, being like, hearing this preacher guy and he's like, drop everything and come follow me. And it just seems a bit strange reading it as a kid going, well, that doesn't seem right. Like, what about the other guys they're working with? What about their parents? They've just dropped their stuff and left. It just doesn't, something doesn't seem right there. You know what I mean? Right. Well, 
to let you in on a little bit of context in terms of Jewish learning, there was only a very, like 1% of Jewish kids, uh, boys, who would go on to uh, further learning and all the rest would go and learn the family trade. Right. But they were, it's like when you go out for, I don't know, a team, like a really prestigious, you know, the scouts come and they're looking for the, you know, people that get chosen for the team and 1% of the, you know, people that are there get chosen for the team. This is kind of the idea that as uh, a rabbi comes along, they say that probably only um, between 100 and 200 people were disciples of rabbis and there were thousands and thousands of people. So the idea is this is, this is, you know, like the cream of the crop that gets selected. So here is this rabbi comes along and says, hey, you guys follow me. They're like, woohoo, we're in the pack because up until this point, they were rejected. They were not chosen. They were doing the common thing. The interesting thing I think to note here is except for Peter, who we know he had a mother-in-law, so he must have been a little bit older, possibly 18, 19. Majority of the disciples would have been somewhere between 12 and 15 years of age. We know that because right here, these boys were fishing with their father. If they had have gone through their bar mitzvah, they would no longer be fishing with their father. They would have been fishing on, on in their own route, on their own by themselves. But because they're with their dad, that helps us know their age. So interesting that these guys are somewhere between twelve and fifteen years of age. Okay, so just let me get this. So it's let me just make sure I've got this. So it wasn't like some random dude saying, "Hey, do you guys want to follow me?" This was kind of a system. This was a thing set up where it was like if a rabbi told you to follow follow them that was kind of a big deal and you use that word but mitzvah what's can you talk about that just so we know and understand what that means yeah and even today in the jewish circles there's a sense of a coming of age right and they would have certain traditions and things but as they came of age there would be certain memorizations and things that are done um yeah okay so it was kind of like not quite, but once you reach 18, like life changes a little bit. Was it kind of like once you reach your bar mitzvah, life changes a little bit? Yeah, and I think, I mean, think about the first century. It wasn't like today. I mean, kids went into their trade a lot earlier. You know, schooling didn't go to 18 unless you were in this Talmud then and you were one of the 1% who got yeah. chosen. So it's interesting to me that he says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. He doesn't say, you know, follow me and, you know, you'll just be this. He says, mm. follow me and we'll begin the process. I will make you become fishers of men. I think what I like about that as well is I will make you become fishers of men, not follow me, you guys need to fish for men. It's like God, or Jesus is saying here, I'm going to help you. I'm going to get you there, not just saying you guys need to do some work. Yeah, you know, it's a great observation. Yeah. yeah, I think, and then he says, and going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who was in their boat, mending nets, and immediately he called them. Mm. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. If you go down the, I guess the verse that really I wanted to focus on today, each time we uh, do a podcast, we're going to look at one characteristic, I guess, of God. And today we're going to look at the fact that Jesus was compassionate. Right. And if you look in Mark chapter 1, verse 40, it says, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will 
be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. Uh, we read this and go, oh, that's nice. But I think in the, I was thinking about this in terms of our COVID era with mm. our, you know, if someone has COVID, they're isolated away from the community. They're not allowed to go near everyone. You know, if you see them, they've got a mask on and they're at least six feet away. Well, in this culture, these people who had leprosy, they had to stay six feet away. <laughs> the parallels are interesting. They had to stay six feet away from anyone who's normal. In fact, if you came down the street and I had leprosy, I would have to shout to you, unclean, unclean. I would have to declare um, my state. I, uh, they wore their hair a certain way so that you could tell I had leprosy without having to come close to me. And I guess it was interesting, they had leprosy colonies where all the people with leprosy would live outside of the town because they were considered unclean. They would live together in these communities or colonies. I was thinking, you know, people who have COVID, you know, if they all have COVID, well, they're all in the house together. It's kind of the same thing. They're isolated. They're kept away. Now, in this day and age where we have deliveries and people that can help us and drop things in and masks and everything, this was not that era. This was, if you had leprosy, you were a pariah of the community. You were shunned out to the edges of a community. Um, you didn't touch anyone with leprosy. It was considered very, very contagious. You didn't touch them. And I think it's interesting. It says, and, and a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Any ideas why they might have asked the question? Well, a couple of things strike out to me there because you just mentioned that if they were coming close to people, they would have to shout unclean, unclean. We don't get it. Uh, we don't hear about this leper doing that. We hear about him coming to Jesus, kneeling and say, if you will, uh, can you make me clean? And another thing that I can think of, um, that if you will make me clean, like Jesus had to be come into the, to the six feet of contact here. Like yeah. he had to be willing to come close. And not only that, like he might have had to have been willing to touch the leper, which is not something you did. It's not not something that you did. Not something you were even kind of supposed to do. Yeah, uh, a leper leprosy even today afflicts fifteen million people across the world. Don't hear about that in the statistics. Mostly in third world nations, it begins as small red spots on the skin, and before too long, the spots get bigger and start to turn white with sort of a shiny or scaly appearance. Pretty soon the spots spread over your whole body and your hair begins to fall out. First from your head, then even from your eyebrows. As things get worse, your fingernails and toenails get sort of loose. They start to rot and eventually fall off. Then the joints of your fingers and toes begin to rot and they start to fall off piece by piece. I mean, we're talking pretty gruesome. So not only was this person infectious, not only were they like didn't have to live in a separate place and yell unclean, but they would have had no physical dignity. Absolutely. No. Uh, it says here, your gums start shrinking and they can't hold your teeth anymore. So you lose each of them. Eat, uh, it keeps eating away at your face until literally your nose, your palate, and even your eyes rot and you waste away until you die. As horrible as the physical suffering was, the worst part of having leprosy might have been the way people treated you. In the Old Testament, God said that when there were lepers among the people of Israel, they should be carefully quarantined and examined. I mean, maybe a year ago we would have gone, oh, quarantine, but mm. we fully get 
what a quarantine means right yeah. now. I read that. I actually looked at that. I read that, I read that in Leviticus 13 and 14. It kind of shocked me. It was very, like, medical. Very, these are the regulations. This is what you were supposed to do when this person had leprosy. It yeah. wasn't like they're evil or they don't have any dignity, but it was like, this person has leprosy. These are the steps that you need to follow. These are the sacrifices you need to do. Here's how you keep yourself safe, which I found it really interesting. This thousands-year-old text is it's kind of reading it like it was a medical procedure or medical regulations. I just found that really interesting. Yeah, so now picture, you know, that's the context. So here, this guy, uh, knowing how terrible the disease was, it doesn't surprise us that the, lesser, the leper was so desperate yeah. before Jesus. He kneels... Um, and he implores him. He says, if you will, uh, you can make me clean. I love that you can do it. Mm. He doesn't say, well, you know, I think you can or I believe you can. He says, you can make me clean. He has this, you know, knowledge of the healing power of Jesus. And this is, yeah, in that day, everyone knew only God could heal a leper. So literally the leper's saying, you're God. Mm. He, had, he, he knew what was up. 100%. And he says, you can make me clean. I think the interesting thing for us is uh, whatever we think we need from God, what we need most is Jesus to cleanse us. Mm. What we need most is for him to cleanse us from sin and the life lived for ourselves. And interesting that the leper came and said, cleanse me. And then watch here. It says, moved with pity. Or, or the word is moved with compassion. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. What's the one thing? that this leper, leper hasn't had since he contracted leprosy. Touch. Touch. He has not been touched. And here Jesus, he doesn't say, Jesus, touch me. Mm. He says, cleanse me. And Jesus, moved with pity, stretches out his hand and touches him and says, I will, I, I will do this and be clean. And immediately, here we hear it again from Mark, and immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. I, I love the thought that Jesus is moved with compassion and he puts out his hand and he touches him. And then he tells him, go show yourself to the priest. Jesus told the former leper to go to the priest to carry out the ceremony that the law required when a leper was cleansed. Jesus did this first to honor the law of God, but also as a testimony to the priest that an incurable disease had been cured. I think... This is one of the most amazing, uh, yeah, it says, have a look here in verse 44. It says, and, and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Verse 30, 45, but he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the town. He was beyond excited mm. that what he had dreamed his whole life, one touch from Jesus, and his life was turned around. Mm. And I think this is pretty beautiful that Jesus, when he came to him, Jesus didn't shun him. He didn't pass him over. He didn't look and go, that's just some desperate guy. He was moved with compassion at his state, the state of his life, where he was at. And he gave him the very thing that he wanted. Someone to see him, mm. someone to validate his existence, and someone to reach out and to touch him. And I love that about Jesus. So even as you guys go about the rest of your week, you know, is there a point where all of us could come to Jesus, kneel at his feet 
and come again asking God to cleanse us, asking God to heal the parts of our lives maybe that we kind of hide away from others and um, with confidence we can know that when we come before him, as we draw near to him, James says, he'll draw near to us. Yeah, I like that. Even the parts we're ashamed about because thinking about this guy with leprosy, it would be a very shameful experience yeah. to have your body fall away, to have to, to have to live in a certain part, to walk down the street if you needed to get something and be like, I'm clean, I'm clean, back off, guys. Like basically walking around going, you cannot speak to me, we cannot interact, you cannot touch me. So yeah, he brought his most shamed parts. He brought his most... Like, not that he could hide it at all, but his most, what he was most ashamed of, what he was most embarrassed about, and gave it to God. Yep, Jesus' love, mercy, and power are such that his touch, instead of making Jesus unclean, it made the man clean. Mm. That you can't come to God with your uncleanness, I'm going to say it like that, and think that you're going to pollute God. It doesn't work like that. He's the greater. Mm. And so as you come to him with, our filthy rags, with our sin, with our trouble, with the things in our life, with our shame. His grace, His mercy, His love meets us and He cleanses us. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Um, just before we leave it, any, any last questions you want to throw out to people? Any last thoughts you want to uh, throw in there before we call it a day? I just think if you are a teenager listening to this, don't read this story thinking this is a bunch of old guys uh, watching, you know, an old guy do a bunch of miracles. It's not. Jesus is 30 and he chose a crew of teenagers to pass on this gospel message. And so put yourself in the story. And as you do, be amazed at uh, all that they're learning. And hopefully you'll be one of those learners too. Awesome. Something that I think I got out of that story is, you know, God tells us to be his hands and feet. Like, not only do I come to God and say, you know, he's the most embarrassing parts of me. He's the parts that I'm most ashamed of. Cleanse me, make me whole. But also, where do I need to have my eyes open? Yeah. Where do I see people who are hurting, who are broken? Where Where do I want to kind of shun people because they're not who I want to be in society or yeah. who I want to see in society, but where where am I in this? Am I Jesus or am I just a, a random bystander? So that's something I uh, that hit me with reading that story. Love that. Okay, let's call it a day. There will be so much we could talk about in Mark 1, but we are talking about God's compassion. We hope that you get around with some other people and discuss uh, what we've talked about and what we read in Mark 1. Have a fantastic week. Thanks, Pastor Beck. Thanks. See you guys later.